Hello, and welcome to High Key Obsessed. I am your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and joining me today for a sneaky episode of the greatest podcast all about heists at the moment is none other than Josiah Forenzi. How are you doing? Hey, man. I'm great. Glad to be here talking about a great movie today. (laughs) Yep. Uh, We're talking about a movie for sure. Very excited to talk about it. It's super fun. And as you guys know by now, this is... I believe the third episode of this season, oh, this is the fourth episode of this season, all about heists, and the second heist movie episode we're doing, first one was Inside Man, so this isn't nearly as good as Inside Man, but this movie is maybe the most heist movie TM out there. It's like every part of a heist movie is in this movie almost, and it's super fun, it's a little bit campy, maybe very campy, um, and it's just, you know, super rewatchable. And that is The Italian Job, 2003, not 1969. And it's wacky, it's cool, and I'm super excited to talk about it. So as you guys maybe remember, we'd have some categories, we'd go over a summary, some of our favorite scenes, best characters, best quotes, uh, some trivia tidbits, stuff like that, some questions we might have, some plot holes, and some other stuff. And we're going to get into it. So we open with a brief summary or outline. And we'll get into more detail as the pod progresses, people. This one is provided by IMDb, led by John Bridger, played by Donald Sutherland, and Charlie Croker, Mark Mark Wahlberg. A team is assembled for one last heist to steal $35 million in gold bars from a heavily guarded safe in Venice, Italy. After successfully pulling off the heist, a team member, Steve, played by a smart, like, absolutely sleazy, scummy, disgusting Edward Norton. And I don't know that I'm calling him that, but the, as he plays the character, he is definitely that. Driven by greed and jealousy, arranges to take the gold for himself and eliminate the remaining members of the group. Thinking the team dead, returns to Los Angeles with the gold. Charlie and the survivors of this betrayal follow Steve to LA to exact revenge against the traitor. Charlie enlists the help of John Bridger's daughter, Stella, played by Charlie's Theron, a professional safe tracker to get revenge. With Stella and the hacking skills of Lyle, played by Seth Green, the explosive skills of Left Ear, uh, played by Mo- Moe's Def, I don't know why they have his real name in this, Yazin Bey, and the driving skills of Handsome Rob, Jason Statham, this team plans and executes a daring heist that weaves through the three freeways and subways of LA. So with that summary out of the way, what are your thoughts of this movie? I, I rewatched it to get ready for this podcast and mm-hmm. it was fun to, it had been years since I'd seen it. And the thing that I like about it is that it holds up. Like it was just as much fun as I remembered it being years ago when I watched it. It's mm-hmm. not one of those movies that you see a long time ago. And then when you rewatch it, you're, you're like, this kind of stinks. Like you said earlier, it's, I don't know, it's kind of stereotypical. There's a lot of cliches in it, mm-hmm. but that's sort of what makes it a fun heist movie. I it's similar vein of like, national treasure where it's like, okay, this isn't maybe the best movie ever made, but it's fun. It's rewatchable. The characters are, are night. They're, they're fun to, to watch on screen the way that they, you know, the chemistry that they have. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Edward Norton plays an extremely scummy character and he does a really good job with that. So 
I just liked how rewatchable it was and how enjoyable it was. It, it feels like one of those movies where pretty much any time, any day, you could just throw it on, even in the background, and just kind of enjoy it mm-hmm. from start to finish. So I almost had the opposite re- uh, reaction rewatching it. So the first time I rewatched it, because I watched it twice for this, um, I was like, oh, this is not nearly as good as I remember. And it's just like the acting is poor, like pretty bad. Um, and it's just ham-fisted. And then I rewatched it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, this is just good. There's good stuff here. And I did like it the first time I rewatched it. And then the second one, I was like, okay, now this is why I remember, like, really liking this movie. And it's just like, you know, you got to strap in. I think in my head, I remembered it being actual good, not just, like, low-key good. And then when I, once I recalibrated, I was like, okay, I'm back in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think we've talked about that before, um, way back when, the first episode I was on. You and I just, like, approach movies a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So... I, you know, we talked about this with Star Wars back in the day, and I kind of have that same approach even now where it's like, a lot of the times when I'm watching a movie, I'm just kind of watching it for fun. I'm not as critical as, mm-hmm. as some people are. And so I can watch a movie like this. And like you said, it, you know, you're going to have bad acting and it's not the best, <laughs> the best movie I've ever seen, but I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with just kind of the cliche corny, you know, it's, it's a, it's like a feel good heist movie. You yeah. End it and you're just going to yeah, it knows what it is, and it's just doing exactly that. Yeah. So I think what stands out to me are this one, like the overall movie, you know, nothing to write home about, but there's a bunch of heavy-hitting scenes that I really like. That brings us to our first category. This scene slaps, a.k.a. best scene. And I have a couple on here I'd like to run through with you, see if you any catch your eye, and then if I miss any, feel free to let me know. So the first one I have is the first heist in Italy, the Italian job. Um, and I have that as everything. So like I skipped the part where Mark Wahlberg and Donald Sutherland are like play boxing in this in Italy, in Venice for some reason, which was really weird. Um, and it's just like Steve in the house as their inside man up until they get to the Alps and we get that weird marshmallow looking scenery with all the snow and stuff. So, like, the literally the heist. Because we get a high-speed chase. We get, like, the twist where the safe isn't on the boat. It fell all the way down. And then safe tracking in the disgusting canals of Venice underwater, like, right underneath where the heist went down. I liked that a lot. That was, like, a really cool twist. And it's right in the beginning. And I just was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. The opening scene to this movie is, it sets it up well. And mm-hmm. it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you get some um, so I, banter, yeah. some like all that good stuff. Uh, the next scene I have is getting the crew together, or like the crew shows up, which is just like you have to have it in a heist movie. And this one just does it very knowingly. It's like a huge wink. Everyone gets a little intro. I'm going to put it in right here, so listen to that. That was quick. Where are they? We're a little early. I didn't expect us to get here quite that fast. There. That's Lyle. He's my computer genius. You know, he's who really invented Napster. At least that's how Lyle tells it. He said Sean Fanning was his roommate in college and stole his idea. Thank <laughs> you. 
think it's his first time riding that bike though. Hey. <laughs> you okay? That's left ear. Demolition and explosives. When he was 10, he put one too many M80s in the toilet bowl. Damn, that was cool. How'd you do that? <laughs> what? How'd you do that? What? How'd you do that? What? Lost the hearing in his right ear. He's been blowing stuff up ever since. Handsome Rob. Premier wheelman. Once drove all the way from Los Angeles just so he could set the record for longest freeway chase. You know he got 110 love letters sent to his jail cell from women who saw him on the news. And you? I never heard how you got your start. Me? Well, I've been a thief since I had baby teeth. Hey, boast on what to do. Coffee up now. But that's just fun. Next one I have is planning the heist, um, which I had as the test drive part where Jason Statham is sitting in traffic and he's like smoking a cigarette. He sees the statistic of people dying like every second and puts throws it out the window and there's this guy rehearsing his lines. That was good. And then when he gets back and he's just like five people died while sitting in traffic. And I thought that was really smart, just like showing even though it's like a dumb movie, they I thought they handled the heist part really well. Like they made it seem smart. Like they show them planning the heist. He spent an entire day just driving around LA traffic to see how long it would take him during all the different times to get from the house to where they were going. Um, I just I really like that. I don't know. I like when heist movies do things differently than I'm expecting. I guess. Yeah, they did a good job with getting little nuanced things mm-hmm. again in the in the kind of cheesy cliche way right. but even just the little details helped it to feel a little bit more like it, it helped both the good guys and you know and steve you yes. know you have the protagonist and the antagonist it made them both seem a little bit smarter and it wasn't yes. just kind of like they weren't dealing with with an idiot on the other side which... right because the movie is like it's a dumb fun movie so right but it, they do it and like mark Wahlberg, we're supposed to believe he's a brilliant heist engineer guy like masterminding heist and it's like, come on, Mark. We all know, especially I guess like 2003, that was probably more believable. But now, with what we know about Marky Mark, it's like this guy's a moron. No offense, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, if Mark Wahlberg was leading a heist crew now, we'd be like, no way. So I think yeah. with that baggage, it was important to show that all those people actually being smart and not just goofy. Uh, the next scene I have is dinner with Steve and Stella, which. I mean, all the scenes with Ed Norton featured heavily. I have never been an Ed Norton guy. I know he's like a fantastic actor. I just, there's something about him I don't like. But like, so all those scenes are hard to watch with him in them because, especially because he has his sleaziness dialed up to 12. 
But the little twist where uh, Stella says the, I trust everyone, it's the devil inside them I don't trust. And then he realizes she's Bridger's daughter and grabs her wrist. And then Handsome Rob and Mark Wahlberg walk in, Charlie Croker. And then he punches him, like all that stuff. I thought that was, a like, I don't think it's going to win this award necessarily, but I thought it was a good scene. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think Steve's mustache adds to the, adds to the sleaziness? I think it adds to the unwatchability because is that a real mustache it looks like eighth grade when everyone was obsessed with mustaches and everyone had a fake mustache do you remember that like that's what it feels like yeah yeah no it was a good scene though it was it was one of those scenes and we'll we'll talk about it in a later category but it was one of those scenes that i liked and also it was a little bit i i feel like they played they played stella up to be a little bit smarter than that like I guess if you have, I guess if you grow up hearing a phrase, but you know, the whole movie kind of establishes how little she was around her dad. Right. And so you would think that a phrase that's as distinct as that, she would be a little bit more careful yeah. about using. Um, yeah. So that was my only, that was my only complaint with the scene. That's Other a great than- nitpick. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I would think also, so I forgot to include like once we get that weird exchange where, um, Steve basically gives them the download of how secure he is for some reason instead of keeping it a secret. I like that. I just liked how he was like, what? I got five guards you don't know about. I'm going to change the codes tomorrow. Like, you can't get me type of thing. I don't know. I thought that was like the only time I liked Steve. Yeah, that scene was the one scene where they set... I think that was an establishing scene for the fact that they were going up against a real opponent. Yes. Like, it wasn't just luck that he got them. Right, exactly. It sort of felt. It's, it felt like, okay... This guy is cautious, and th- I thought they did a good job too. Um, again, as much as there are uh, a couple of little nitpicky things about the scene, I thought they did a good job of establishing that they did a good job of, of establishing and, and showing the fact that he was really caught off guard by seeing them all alive. Yeah. Then he quickly recomposed himself, and he mm-hmm. he was l- like right back on top of it, and that's yes. where his confidence came in. And, um, yeah, so oh, yeah, I that's, did, I did. that's exactly what it is. That scene I have is Lyle narrates handsome Rob's flirtation with the table girl, Becky. Uh, so this is stepping on the trivia section a little bit, but the director F Gary gray says that he cried from laughing because Seth green improvised the lines while doing his impressions of Jason Statham as handsome Rob, which is, you know, yeah, perfect. this, yeah, this this scene might be one of my favorites from the whole movie, um, just because it it's so funny mm-hmm. and it also goes on so much longer than you think it will. Yes, and it works. It works, yeah. And sometimes, like sometimes, movies will do a scene like that, and it will be you know it'll be a line, it'll be mm-hmm. maybe a sentence or two where a character makes fun of someone else, but he just keeps going, and the ad lib feel of it made it hilarious. Yes, like it seemed, like, yeah, it seemed real. It didn't seem scripted. So this isn't necessarily a scene. I just wanted to talk about this, and I felt it fit best in this category but like i said earlier i love that this movie basically has every like heist movie scene or cliche in it like we get getting together the crew we get the complication we get the twist we get the double cross uh we get like the big reveal we did all those things the only thing we don't really have is the top chasing them and that's because it's more of a revenge thriller than like a i don't know like not every heist movie has a top chasing them yeah well, it's funny because it's funny because this movie also I realized that while rewatching it, you're you're of course you're rooting for for the the quote unquote protagonists. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for them the whole time, but 
But it's funny because in a lot of heist movies, they set the protagonists up to be good guys that are just that are stealing either something was stolen or, you know, they're doing something kind of yes. for the law. And oftentimes they'll be, you know, they'll be at odds with the, with the police and everything like that. But ultimately they're doing it for good. Like, it's funny because these guys, they're, they're just thieves. Like they yes. were just, like, they're just robbing a bunch of money and it's a bunch of, you know, bad guys kind of going against each other, yes. which is just, I didn't realize that. Well, it's like, it. it's like they have a toad and then Lyle broke the toad, which is, that's another, or not Lyle, uh, Steve broke the toad. That's right. another great part of the dinner scene is when he's like, you want to talk to me about right and wrong? He's like, basically, we're all bad guys. Like, I don't care. I, I went a little further than you, but like, you can't, like, I don't care that you think I'm a worse bad guy than you are. Right. What did he say? We all, like, we all have our cards. I, you know, yes. I, I came out yeah. on top. Yeah. yeah. That was a good, that was good stuff. But that's a, that's a good point. Like, I mean, all heist movies, they make, they show us the heister, the heisters, the crew first. So that we're rooting right. for them, even though we should be rooting for the cops, like nine times out of ten. And a great example of that, the thieves are usually somewhat, what's the word I'm looking for, like, somewhat redeemable, is like Inside Man, which we just talked about, uh, I just talked about with Mike. He's stealing from a Nazi war criminal. So, like, you're like, okay, I see it, that's fine, that's allowed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in this movie, was I missing any scenes you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, I think I think a lot of those scenes were are really really great mm -hmm. um, in the movie. I love, and we're going to talk about him later as a character, and and then some other quotes and stuff like that. But um, Skinny Pete is just a great character, mm -hmm. and so a lot of things with him. I loved the initial meeting him scene where he's standing there with a little like on a little putt putt course, yes. and his <laughs> just his eating them. Lady, oh, you're going to get this one, I know, and he just keeps hitting it the same <laughs> way over and over, just rocketing the ball off the ramp. That that scene was hilarious, yes. just for like comedic value. Um, but that was like the only other one that I was thinking. Yeah, um, that's one of my favorite scenes from the movie. That was that was uh, on my lawn list. Didn't make the cut, but I'm glad you brought it up. If I had to pick one, I would say if I was just like, let me rewatch scenes over and over again. The top two would be getting the crew together, and then Lyle narrating Handsome Rob's flirtations. And I think I would go with Lyle narrating Handsome Rob. Yeah, I think we can probably agree on that one. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a great, it was a great spot in the movie that it was really only focusing on the two characters um, and not the whole, the whole cast, but it was, it did such a good job of showing the difference between the crew members and how it just kind of how they, how they got along. So I, yes, I would definitely. It's cool that they show like all the crew members besides Steve, who's their inside man, ironically, like they're all friends and like a family and Steve is an outsider, even like right from the jump, you can, he's like rolling his eyes at um donald donald sutherland's like charming sayings and stuff like that he's like rolling his eyes he's just like Ugh, like we're criminals let's not get it twisted type of thing it's like he's the most realistic one of all of them in a weird way yeah i think i think even though both of us probably like the scene with lyle and handsome rob the, the the best out of the movie i think i think this movie actually has a a pretty good establishing opening yes immediately opening with Charlie um, and John and establishing their relationship mm -hmm. and then going to the actual heist, seeing the way that the whole team kind of rallies again, like from the very get go, you're, you're a little bit curious about Steve and you can tell that all the other guys are kind of, they're trying to include him. They're like, Hey man, like, what are you going to yeah. do with your share? And he's just kind of never really. So from the very, and maybe it's just because I've seen it before, but I couldn't remember exactly when the turn happened. And so for the first, you know, for the opening, whatever it is like 10, 15 minutes of the movie, 
I was on the edge of my seat because they did such a good job of establishing all of the characters mm-hmm. and establishing attention that you knew had to come to some type of like some type of peak or something, something was going to happen. So I thought that, I thought that this movie actually did a really good job of that. Um, where I think some movies, some movies don't, some movies kind of fail at that, but they actually, I felt like they established everything pretty well to open yeah. it up. Yeah. I, yeah. This is like, it's a dumb, fun movie, but it's smartly executed. Best characters. I just included the whole heist crew. So we got Charlie Croker, Mark Wahlberg, the team's mastermind, leader of the crew. I think he is the worst character. Uh, <laughs> Stella Bridger, safe technician. You know, Charlie's Theron, she's doing her thing. Steve Frizzelli, the inside man, double cross guy. Handsome Rob, the wheel man. Jason Statham. We have some questions about him coming up. Lyle Dash Napster, the tech guy. Invented Napster, but had it stolen from him, which was... A very of that time thing. Like, if you if we showed this to, like, I bet if your sisters watched this, they'd be like, "What is Napster? Like, what is that?" And we barely even know what it is. We just like know that it existed more than even yeah. are aware of it. And then Gilligan Dash Left Ear, the demolitions guy. And then of course there's Skinny Pete, like you you mentioned. And I guess we could include John Bridger. I don't think he's in enough right. to like be in it and he's not like a scene stealer type of guy so i don't know anyone stand out for you yeah i mean so i agree with what you said charlie i mean again filtering the whole movie through kind of the the premise that we've already sort of set up i think i feel like charlie croker and stella are both they're sort of they're sort of like your your quintessential main characters but I think the thing that doesn't work with them is just that they're probably the least believable because mm-hmm. they're being driven. It feels like they're they're being a little bit more plot driven. Like the other guys and the other characters are allowed to sort of play in the space of the movie a little bit more. Whereas for them, you have to sort of you have to sort of establish the love arc. You have to kind of you sort of have to make them. I hate to say this, but you almost have to make them generic enough to be likable. Mm-hmm. Right, so, the rest so have to be fun, and they have to be lead characters and straight men, basically. Right, like, you kind of have, you know, you have Charlie, and he's sort of, you know, he's sort of good at everything, which makes sense, you know, he's the leader, team lead, and so he's kind of got to be, you know, but but again, he's kind of, this is a really weird analogy, but when I was watching the movie, I, I kind of compared him to Mario, like, in any in any game where you have the plethora of Mario characters, it's you like never Mario, Mario. Is the most generic and the most well-rounded, right. but he doesn't like stand out as anything necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, that's what my mind went to with, with Charlie. Um, Interesting. And the rest of the characters, you know, the rest, like I said, the rest of the characters are just kind of fun. They're likable. Steve is hateable. Like he did a pretty good job of making a character who's like, mm-hmm. you just kind of hate the guy because he's like, he's, He's not again. He's not so much evil as he is just like he's. I mean, he's pretty evil, also. He is. That's true. He kills a guy. I guess. Like, in like a, very cold blood, and then tries to kill all of his friends. Yeah, but he's like, like he's. I, I don't think that's the reason that I hated him throughout the movie, though, which is interesting. Like, interesting. Is it because he's like, just douchey? He's got a weird yeah, face. Yeah, he's just kind of a douche, and like the whole time you're sort of rooting for him to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kills the guy, and yeah, he wants to. You know, he's willing to kill the rest the rest of his friends 
but it's almost like, like we only see that part of him in the beginning when he kills John and when he tries to kill the rest of them. And then he kills, you know, he kills the Ukrainian guy. And then at the end, you know, he's trying to get his, his gold back. But for the rest of the movie, we really just see him as like kind of a sleazebag. Right. Like he treats everyone terribly. He's just he's a bad guy. The whole time. Like he's just like, you're just kind of like, he's like, I don't know, your skin just kind of crawls anytime that he's on, on yes. the screens. Yes. Exactly. I think like I think he he's probably the best acted for the most part, except for like there's a couple scenes where as we'll get into later, you can tell that Norton wasn't happy to be there and was phoning it in. But I think he's probably he's probably actually the best character. I would say like if I had to pick my favorite character more than best character, I would pick uh handsome Rob. Yeah. Why's that? I don't know. He's just, you know, charming, funny doing this thing i love a wheel man like uh any heist movie that has a driver and we get to learn about the driver i'm in i think that's my i want to be the wheel man of a heist crew i think i like to think i'd be the mastermind or at the (laughs) very least i'd be the guy you know when in the movies where they rob banks and the guy's like calm down like just everyone like will this be chill like it's not your money it's the bank's money like i'd just be that i'd be the hey don't worry about it like we're not going to hurt anybody. Just no one do anything stupid. We're going to be in and out of your hair. We just got the guns because we got to. It's not your money. You're going to get all your money back. That'd be me. Yeah. I know. It's tough for me to pick a favorite character because mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, I like Charlie and Stella in the sense that they're the main characters mm-hmm. and kind of they're, they're likable. Just, but, but again, in the sense that they're, they're generic. So it's a pretty close, it's a pretty close call for me, like, and the rest of the crew because they all play like Lyle and handsome Rob play really well together left ear and charlie actually i really yes. like their relationship in the movie um, yeah they have their chemistry they're like always um i really liked the scene where they're like surveying the house and left ear is like okay they got this fence that's like super hard they got this security guard i didn't take out with our security booth i didn't take out with grenades and all this stuff and then he's like damn <laughs> this dude's got dogs <laughs> <laughs> and they're like I had a bad experience. And when they press him about it, like, what was the experience? He's like, I had a bad experience. I'm deaf. <laughs> Just like, he was so mad and it was funny. Yeah. Yep. That was a great scene. Yeah. Left ear was weird. I wish we got more on him. Cause he's just like, yeah. I guess permanently in the seventies and yeah. he loves shoes, which he just, he says twice basically, but we don't really see it until the end. Right. And he loves books. I was just like, where's his, can we just have the left ear movie? Yeah. Right, yeah, give me the left ear movie, give me the left ear sequel, and we'll be good. Yeah, just like, how about this, Can here's my pitch for uh, the Italian job too. This time, Mark Wahlberg dies in the opening minutes, and they have to avenge him. And I do like Mark Wahlberg, like, I mean, less recently, because he's just been kind of some weird, saying weird things, I guess, more like as a person. But like, in his movies, I generally like his dumb action movies. I love, like, The Departed is awesome. Which isn't his movie, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like I hate Mark Wahlberg. It's just in a heist movie, unless he's... If Mark Wahlberg was the top trying to capture them, that would be amazing. That would work. But it's just like, I don't believe him as a mastermind of a crew. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it is always funny to watch a movie like that and then go back years later after seeing some of those same actors in other movies mm-hmm. and then going back and being like... Like, even John Bridger... Um, like I yeah, forgot. It's it's like seeing funny. President like, Snow. That's all yeah, I see whenever I he, see Donald Sutherland. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just funny. So I'm like, he's evil. Why is he nice? Yeah, right, right. I yeah. just kind of like him. But like, Mark Wahlberg is always best when he is. He thinks he's the smart character, but really he's not. You know what I mean? Like when he's like the fourth smartest character, but thinks he's the smartest and he's just completely in over his head. But when he's actually the smartest character, it's like, ugh, just does not work. Anyway, that's a rant. Too much ranting about Mark Wahlberg. This movie. So this is tough category for uh, both the first movies we've done. But notable quotes. I didn't have a ton. I didn't think like none really stood out to me. And if you have any, I'm very excited to hear them. Uh, the one that, just because it's notable and it plays a role in the movie, is I trust everyone. It's the devil inside them I don't trust. Yeah. Which is a weird quote. <laughs> I guess it's just yeah. basically saying, like, I, like, people are good, but we all have our inner demons type of thing, our rough spots, our foibles. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those, it, it feels like, because it is one of the more notable quotes from the movie, but it feels like someone was laying in bed and they thought they were trying to think of like, what's a cool quote yes. that our characters could say. And they were like, I trust everyone. It's the devil inside. It's like, it's, it's sort of, it, it, it's like, it's almost like it's disguising itself as a really cool kind of a deep or profound quote. Yes. When it's like, it doesn't really make sense. It's, it's kind of a funny quote to hear. Yes. Like if you actually think about, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, right. You're, it's, you're kind of like... Can I tell you the vibe I get from it? Because it's yeah. exactly like you said, like someone was lying in bed thinking of a badass quote. That's exactly what it is. But it also reminds me of like, and I think you will know this too, because you, we both try to write things. Uh, so when you're in bed and you get a lightning rod idea and you write it down and then you wake up in the morning and you read the thing and you're just like, oh, this is actually, this makes no goddamn sense. This is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of notes that I have in my phone of like, I'll wake up at 3 Mm a.m. after a game or I'll, you know, something. And I'm like writing this down. I have one and I went back the next day and it was something like robots with giant, like saw blade hands. It was something weird like that. Like it made no sense, Mm -hmm. but I remember waking up and being like, this This is is world. Yes. Um, This is going to be the next thing. Recently, I had an idea that was very much like this uh, devil inside them quote. I was like, Pain it, my brain, this popped into my brain. Pain exists in space, but in the silence, no one can hear you stream. And I was like, ooh, that's like a bar for an opening line. And I was <laughs> like, what does hearing have to do with pain? Like, that doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense, Thomas. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, that's how, I mean, that's ultimately maybe how all good quotes actually come of, come to existence. You just eventually, after just years, keep and throwing years, stuff. have so many bad ones that you can piece them together and make yes. a good one. The other quote, and I think this is my favorite one. This is from our boy, Skinny Pete. Great guy. If there's one thing I know, it's never to mess with Mother Nature, Mothers-in-Law, and Mother Frickin' Ukrainians. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff. <laughs> yeah. It, that was, yeah. He's a great character. It was a great line. <laughs> Charlie's like, basically, he sells Charlie out. And Charlie's like, why'd you sell me out? And he's like, it's Ukrainians. Which is, like, that's very fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in the criminal underworld and it's like, I feel like, and Charlie understood, I feel like, so it definitely checked out. But that's actually all I have now that I'm looking at my notes. Those are the only two I thought stood out. Yeah, I don't think there are any quotes that really stand out. So, I mean, the the one 
it's the it's at the very beginning of the movie and then it's how they end the movie mm -hmm. and it's charlie and it's charlie's dialogue with with john where he says find someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and hold on to her tight or whatever he says that was one line that kind of yeah but but again it's like we similar, hear that every movie yeah and and similar to the the line um similar to the i trust everyone line it's one of those things where it's like um or no i'm sorry similar to left ears like shoe thing it's kind of like it's something that john says but it's not it doesn't come across as any part of charlie's driving force throughout the whole movie no he's never you can tell that there's a like there's interest between him and stella well him but it's not really established yes. and it's he, the whole time they're all doing it for revenge for john and so then at the very end, he's like, I found someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And it, and it's Stella. And it's like, it's not surprising, but it was also never really, there were a couple of scenes with the two of them where it's like, oh, they're, they're comforting each other. But mm -hmm. other than that, there's, it was just kind of. Also tough that they both like <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is multiple times. is just like, you know, John was like a father to me too. Weird. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you're going to marry his daughter. Right. Which I think, you know, John would have liked, but just weird to how they like brought it up a couple times. And also I I didn't get the vibe that Stella was into him at all. And then she's just like, We're in Venice. Like, right. I mean, come on. I don't think anyone will be mad at us if we say anyone who sees Charlize Theron is like, Oh, I'm I'm in I'm into that. Like Right, right yeah not really a stretch it, it, it was kind of just like you know they the way that the movie sort of established it was more so just like oh she's our beautiful female protagonist and she's gonna fall in love with the main guy kind of um so as far as other notable quotes though i mean i think a lot of the quotes that i liked in this movie were more so in context of the scene and the general feeling of the scene itself right. it wasn't so much about the quote so like one of the scenes you know there's there are a couple of funny quotes like i liked when they're um I forget even who says it, but someone says, we're in Italy, speak English or something yes, like that. That um, is, um, yeah, I think I have a note about that somewhere where that, um, that's just like one of those things that always happens in these movies too. They have the tech guy say something super complicated for no reason. <laughs> and then they're always like, speak English. Right, right, right. But the, we're um, in Italy, speak English. That was like a weird, I didn't see, that's why I didn't include it because the, we're in Italy, speak English, I thought was like weird. But that's just me. I think it was supposed to be fun. Like I think yeah. it was supposed to be. Like right, I did that. It was supposed to be funny. I just, I, me personally, I didn't think it was funny. But that's just me. And then the only other quote that I really liked from the movie, and again, it wasn't even a singular quote. It mm -hmm. was a whole. It was a whole line of dialogue, and it was the context of the whole scene. I thought was really funny and mm -hmm. also kind of wholesome. Was the scene with Left Ear and Charlie when they're hanging, um, yes, underneath the house and setting up the explosives, and he's like can you give me a minute? And Charlie's like, right now. And he's like, if, it, you know, if this pin touches the insides, like yes. we're going to be the last things that each other see or whatever. And he's and Mark Wahlberg's like, take all the time that you need or something. And then, and then it like goes away to a, you know, a far yeah. shot and they're both hanging there and, and left ears like, Charlie, I love you, man. Great guy. In 2003 too, just yeah. saying that to your friend. Yeah. We love left ear. He's all about yeah. loving everyone. Great guy left ear. Yeah. So that was one of, that's like probably one of my favorite quote, um, like interaction, just like dialogues from mm -hmm. the movie. Um, Can I run one more by you? Yeah. Okay. So it's when, so I don't know, 
do they explain why Lyle is in like a terminal conducting his heist, like conducting his hacking, and just monitoring it out in the open for no reason when he could be literally anywhere else? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, so he's there, and then a bunch of people come to get their trains. He figures out that they still have twenty-seven million dollars in gold. More on that later. Oh yeah, right. And he yells, he screams, and everyone's like, "Let's at him!" And he's like, "I got the Holy Spirit. You should get on it. It's a good train." Just like made no sense. Uh, I was curious your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I know you're all about people getting on the uh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen, man. Yeah, no, I, it was a funny scene. It was he's just such a funny character. He's so yeah. likable the whole time, and yeah. he's like he's goofy. He reminds me of like he gives me uh, vaguely like Shaggy vibes, almost kind of where he's just sort of like well, he's he sort is, of adorable. Kind of love him. He is in Scooby Doo too, the uh, live action movies, Monsters Unleashed. He's Velma's love. Yep, Velma's love interest. Wow. Yeah, he was like bait in that era, I think, and I just like I always liked him whenever he showed up in movies. Seth Green, great. Uh, being more stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a category I'm testing out. It might get dropped by the end of the season, but if you could add any character from another heist movie or crime movie, who would it be and why? I feel like because this one has such like a specific vibe and it already has so much going on and it has the whole crew, this one was pretty tough to add people into. But I don't know if like you have anyone that you thought of, anyone that you were like, I could see them in here. No, not really. And okay. for the same reason that you said, just because just because it's it's such a full crew already. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would be funny. I, I think the, the only thing that you could do is they could have added, and this we'll get into this in a little bit more of the nitpicks that I have with the movie. But like, I think you could have added in a special guest to fulfill a specific role. So similar to how they bring Wrench in late, yeah. late in the movie, um, I think, you know, and I, I can't say that I've honestly seen a ton of heist movies but like i think like i mentioned it earlier like i think about national treasure like mm-hmm. you like could you have brought in nick cage for just something yes. like kind of ridiculous and kind of funny but he's like it, either he's like some some ridiculous specialist or he's like a total dweeb that they need for some very specific reason yes but i think that's what that, i think you either have to if we're adding anyone it has to be wrench or skinny pete and right. obviously, we like Skinny Pete. We can't lose him. Or I guess the Ukrainian fence that Ed Norton kills could be someone better. Like, that could definitely be Nick Cage. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at that point, you got to remember, like, Nick Cage wasn't Nick Cage yet. He was yeah. still fairly yeah. respected. I mean, he I think he's fairly respected now still. But, like, he had recently won an Oscar. And he was still, like, he was mostly Nick Cage. But he wasn't any movie for any reason, any time Nick Cage. Right. But I think, I think I could see him as wrench or something. Like I think wrench is the place we would go to change. And it just has to be someone like, I don't know. I don't know. Someone better. Someone just like that stands out. Right. Wrench was a little bit shoehorned in. Yes. And I think if we're shoehorning someone in, make them crazier, like make them more energetic. Right, he was just like a dude, and he was like he was good with cars, and then he was part of the crew. Yes, I did like how he was like, "If I'm in, I'm in. I don't want to be kept in the dark." And they're like, "Okay, you're in." He's like, "I'm in." I did like that. That was like a nice little, like that's just that's everyone, you know. If I'm in, I'm in. Don't don't bullshit me. Right. 
Um, I did today just for the sake of trying to get this category off the ground because last week our last episode was also not a good fit for it. I thought that if we added Riley from National Treasure, it would kind of fit the vibe. And it would be like, I guess the context would be like maybe the Napster needs a little help. And then uh-huh. we got him and Riley just like beefing, don't like each other, but they have to work yeah, together. Yeah, kind of that, like, the tech guy standoff yes. where he's a specialist in some field where they really need, you know, some security system. Or it's, you know, because they, they even had that scene where where um, they're kind of like, oh, this, where he says, Lyle says, this security system, it's, you know, five It's never been cracked, yeah. Yeah, where and then you go to yeah, yeah. And then we bring in Riley Pool. We get some weird like heist <laughs> music. They're meeting with him. Yeah, I'd be into it just because I love Riley. Yeah, and then also this would completely change the movie, so we can't do it. But we add in Sergeant Nicholas Angel from Hot Fuzz. He's tracking him down. He's from Interpol. He's like, I'm tracking down this gold. I guess that would take the place of the Ukrainian plot, where instead of yeah. of the vengeance, which was shoehorned in, we did a top. Yeah, that's true. But, like I said, rough start for this category based on the movies. Might be scrapped. Alright, this brings us to our nitpicks. We have some questions. So, my name, my first one... Okay, so Steve rolls up. He's got his guys double-crossing them. Shoots John. Handsome Rob drives off into the freezing cold. Like, there's literally ice on top of this water. Drives through it, then they're under the water using the air tank from the heist to breathe. Yeah. How did so? How did this work? Did Steve forget that the heist they just pulled involved air tanks? Why didn't Steve just wait longer until the bodies came up? It's like this road is pretty empty. They were surprised to see people on it besides themselves. So there's that. That's just sloppy work from Steve. He saw one body came up, come up, and was like, "Okay, I'm satisfied." And it was the body that he already shot. Yes. Suspicious. Yeah. Suspicious, Steve. Be better. That's why he's number two. No imagination. Um, how did they not freeze to death? Like, they get up, their car doesn't work, they're in the middle of nowhere. They've been sitting in freezing cold water for how, no, like, an hour? Like, how long were they down there? No, like, winter deer or anything, too. Like, their skin's exposed. They definitely have hypothermia. Like, they definitely have frostbite. They de- Like, I've seen... Yep. A million episodes of Bear Grylls, and I know people want to say it's fake, and it probably was, but like, they definitely have frostbite. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, those. That's that's one of the biggest ones for me. Mm-hmm. Is they just don't, and that's something. It, it's honestly, it's a fault that a lot of movies have, where they they just cut to the next scene and they explain away how how the crew gets away from a certain situation or how they survive or whatever. And this is a perfect example of that, where it's like you're in freezing cold water. Um, like I said, the, the only body that popped up was the one that Steve had already, already shot. So unless he just figured that everyone else got trapped in the car. But again, it's it was just kind of like it was just sort of explained away. Also, they drove off with the door to the van open. <laughs> like They're not trapped in there, Steve. Come on. Right. And like, there's no reason for him to flee. They're not like if he had done it in Venice immediately and then he has to flee like I did that. He just shot someone in Venice. But no, right. he shot someone in the middle of nowhere. Right weird yep yeah this question i don't know if you did the your assignment that i asked you to do for this one but is jason statham handsome enough to be called handsome rob (laughs) i think like he is handsome like i'm not gonna say he's not ugly right and he's incredibly charming especially in this movie so it does like in the moment when he's talking it boosts his attractiveness like 
attractive Rob, I guess. But like, I don't know if we did, like if you looked at Jason Statham, you're not like, oh, handsome Rob. Both of our both of our our girlfriends don't think so. Okay, that's okay. That's fair then. It's just like I get it. Like he is very charming, and I'm gonna step on one piece of trivia here. The screenwriters have a friend named Handsome Rob, so that's probably why. And Handsome Rob is like a great wheelman nickname. I feel like too. Yeah. But it's just like I don't, and I don't want anyone else in this role because the energy Jason Statham brings is perfect. But could it be? I was trying to think like 2003. Who are the handsome guys that are can be in like an ensemble B movie? And I couldn't really think of anyone I was liking. But I was like, could that be Ryan Gosling? Like I just feel like if you're handsome, Rob, you have to be more handsome. He's a little bit more rugged than yes. you think of. He's if this that, was like... he's English handsome, like if this was in England, I'd I'd see it. <laughs> and maybe that's why, but I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Casual just <laughs> poo pooing of British people. British men's look sorry sorry, Britain. <laughs> Brutal. Um why didn't Steve melt down the gold into like just not destroy it, just like melt it enough to re like to get rid of the clear identification mark on it? He did all this precaution to like sell it very discreetly. He has all the security. Why didn't he just deface the gold a little bit so that he wouldn't be trapped? Doesn't seem to be I like. No idea. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I, don't, I mean, I I know nothing about melting right. down gold or anything like that. I don't know if it would decrease the value or. I don't like. I feel like there's probably a way not to, right? I would imagine because. I don't know. Like, even if he made it into. Like, he said he was like, oh, I have a rush order. I need you to turn this into necklaces. And he spent an extra million or something to do that. Like, wouldn't that be worth it? I don't know. Yeah. Just to, like, change yeah, it. Like, you always, they always wash the money, and I did it gold. But, like, you got to wash your golds, too, I think. Especially, like, all the other time you've seen gold in a movie, it's not super recognizable. It's just gold bars, I feel like. Right. If you melt down gold for a living, let us know. Let us know. Why didn't Steve melt down the gold? That's what we need to know. Thank you. Good call, Josiah. Another one. Steve planned his getaway like super intricately. He had the three trucks. He had the teams. He has a helicopter. And then Lyle is able to figure out which one super easily just by being like, which one weighs more than the others? Yeah. Why didn't Steve just make sure that they weighed the same? I, I know that's probably a tall task. He has like a ton of gold, like literally a ton of gold. Right. But you can't just get like some dumbbells in the other one <laughs> well do, what are they doing the one time with the when they're when they're getting the cars when they're testing out the, the, doing the test drive yes they put a bunch of you know they put a bunch of plates in the back um steve trying to do that see this is why steve lost he's that's like it's like mark Wahlberg said you know no imagination. imagination i just feel like i don't know if maybe it's because i i remembered that somehow <laughs> of all the reasons so it just like stood out even more but I just feel like I'd be like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? These people know my every move. I betrayed them like they hate me. Um, let me look at these trucks. Oh, this one's sagging. Can we do anything about that? I don't know. He didn't have a lot yeah. of time. He had like 10 hours to plan this. That's true, yeah. Maybe I'm being unfair. Um, how So how long, do you know how long passes between the leaving them for dead and then they find him in L.A.? Um, don't they say it's like a year later? That's what I thought, but I wasn't, I don't, I've missed if uh, like something flashed up that said one year later. It pops on the screen, but I, I don't remember exactly how long. I think it's a, I think it's a year. Okay. 
So how is it possible that Steve has only spent $8 million of this gold? So I feel like if I help someone betray their crew and he has $35 million and I have like a team of guys, I don't give him most of that money. You know what I mean? Like you did all the money because you planned it. I had to carry all, all the stuff. Like if I'm a henchman, I just shoot him and take the money and split it with my dudes. But it's very clear Steve has no friends. So if I'm the guys that he hired to pull off this heist, I just shoot him too and take all the money. And I'm like, hey, boys, like Christmas bonus. What's up? We don't have to work anymore. Like we're henchmen. We just got the henchman payday of the lifetime. So there's that like gaping red flag. Um, And then also like he has this crazy security system never been beaten. He has all these TVs. He has everything everybody else wanted. Except I guess he doesn't have the book of so he doesn't have the room for his shoes or a room full of first edition books, but everything that Lyle and Statham wanted. He has this bait house in Los Angeles, like a mansion in L.A. Yeah, that's probably at least like a, like at the very least a million dollars. And he has like this round the clock security, including security we don't know about dogs, all like the whole nine. And then he does his whole elaborate scheme with like paying for his escape all of that only cost eight million dollars i guess so man maybe eight million dollars was worth a lot more back in the day i assume it was in 2003 but still yeah also like i don't know it just feels like i guess like you know he probably has money from his other nefarious deeds he did before the italian job and maybe he paid them with that but i just feel like it's just an oversight by the boss of the evil henchman you you gotta do better if you're if you lead a crew of bad guys who kill other people for money, you gotta look out for your guys more than that. So I'm putting him on blast. Got to do it. What were your yeah, nitpicks? Um, like I said earlier, I mean the scene with with Stella and Steve where mm-hmm. they're in the restaurant was a nitpick for me, just because they're shown to be so much more careful throughout the rest of the movie than that. So Stella just saying a phrase that. Especially since, again, she's established as being not close to her dad. That's like one of her character points is like, I never knew him, you know, all those things. Even John says in the beginning, like, sending gifts doesn't make you a good father. Like, he's not around. He spent most of the time in prison. So how she knows that phrase and why she uses it, it's a little bit of a nitpick for me. It could be like, he probably said it every time she did see him. So, like, maybe every time she visited him in jail or prison, he would say that. Like, oh, how are you doing? Because everyone, you know, he's charming. I bet he was the type of guy that had everyone working for him in prison somehow. Like, that was probably a thing. I don't know. Yeah. That was a nitpick for me. Yeah. I I think, like, I I think for other, I'm sure I'll think of probably more, you know, the one in the ice where where he doesn't just wait and, and try to kill him more. That was a nitpick for me. I think um, one thing that I didn't really, well, I guess it's not so much, an, it's a nitpick a little bit, but you know, they can't show every single thing on screen, but it's like when you, when the the Ukrainians visit Skinny Pete and he sells out Charlie, mm-hmm. they never establish that there is any relationship between Charlie and the Ukrainians. Um, right. Right. And well, the because very, there, there isn't. Right. Well, yeah. So the whole thing is that, the Ukrainians think that Charlie and his crew killed their cousin, but really right. it was Norton, and then they're able to use that. But, like, they don't show... Well, because you can't have the twist if you show that he talked to the Ukrainian sure. guys. Uh, so did you have any other 
I felt like I had one other one that's slipping my mind at the moment. I don't, I can't remember what it, what it was. Okay. All right. So that brings us to our final category. Tidbits, which is all about trivia, little things I found. This one is almost all from IMDb. And a lot of the time, the IMDb trivia is just stupid. But this one had some really good nuggets, I thought. So while the movie was being made, Charlize Theron... So they all had to do stunt driving training. And so because they all drove so fast and they did a lot of their own stunts and stuff, uh, Charlize Theron got two speeding tickets (laughs) for driving 40 miles per hour over the speed limit. And she said that... She was driving so fast while filming, she just couldn't slow down. So that's incredible. That's just funny. Yeah. Um, also, all of the cast members acknowledged that she was the best driver among them by far. Huh. That's very cool. Yeah. This movie notably has a lot of Mini Coopers. Hasn't come up until now, but uh, that's both an homage to... I guess mainly an homage to the original one. Which, actually, that was one of my questions was... Uh, was the entirety of this budget funded by Mini Cooper? <laughs> but that's you know we don't we don't know that. So they had to build two custom electric Mini Coopers and a Mini Cooper S. They ought to be specially built because gasoline powered vehicles were not allowed in Los Angeles's subway, which is all electric. Interesting. Yeah, good job by LA. Yeah, Just, you know, being all electric way back then. Love to see it. Very environmentally friendly. Uh, Lyle, played by Seth Green, claims he was the creator of Napster, which was a file sharing service for music, and that it was stolen. So it was basically like pirating music back in the day. Precursor to Spotify and stuff, but illegal. Uh, But he claims it was stolen by Sean Fanning, who created Napster. In the movie, that's the actual Sean Fanning who steals his stuff. And while he steals the disc with a floppy disc, which was funny, just to see a floppy disc. Um, And when he steals the disc, um, it was a Metallica poster playing on the wall. And that's because their drummer was a huge critic of Napster. And they sued the company for copyright infringement and racketeering. Kind of interesting. Nice little date at them for no reason. Uh, so, I've touched on this a few times. Ed Norton was not happy to be part of this movie. Apparently, he was a dick off like, on set, did not promote the movie at all. And he has a reputation for being difficult to work with, being like a perfectionist and stuff. Which is why I feel like a few of his scenes were phoned in. So, he has like a couple excellent ones, but some of them I just feel like he was just there. And that's because he did not want to be in this movie. He had signed a contract, which was, I guess this, I don't know if this still happens... But way back in the day, companies would just sign actors when they became famous to, like, 10-pitcher deals. So, like, Harrison Ford, I think, got locked into a 10-pitcher deal with something. And then he blew up, and it was like he had to fulfill this obligation with this crappy company, even though he was now all caps Harrison Ford. Right. And that was just, like, a big tactic that Hollywood would do back in the day. Anyway, Ed Norton was locked into a three-film deal with Paramount, which included Primal Fear, which was his breakthrough movie. But then um, he kept dismissing other films. He was just like, nah, nah, not going to do it, not going to do it. And then um, they finally like tricked him, I guess, is what IMDb says, into accepting this role. And like I said, he was a dick to everyone and returned the gift that he received 
uh, from the producers of the movie once this became a blockbuster. He said, give this to someone you actually like or someone who actually likes you. Tough look for Eddie Norton. Cold. Just like, there's no reason to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, it's like, like you said, there may be a few scenes where it, where he kind of doesn't seem totally there. But I wonder if it actually, I wonder if his attitude towards the movie and towards the directors helped with his character. It definitely did because you just hate him and he hated to be there. And I don't like, I mean, he doesn't do a bad job at all. But I just feel like there's some scenes where he's like, like the dinner scene, it's really good. And then there's other scenes where it's just like pretty bad. Yeah. And I think that probably was, he's just like, you know, that's, that's what the take you're going to get today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were 32 Mini Coopers used during filming. Wow. Good amount. Good amount. Yeah. Imagine seeing whatever lot they had. I wonder, I, I mean, I don't <laughs> know if they were wall to wall Mini Coopers. Time, but just like. I think they filmed on location a lot. So they were in, in like downtown LA a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they, just had, they just had to bring in, you know, 32 red, white, and blue Mini Coopers. Yeah. yeah. Wild stuff. Wow. Mark Wahlberg originally wanted to be Steve Frizzelli, huh. but the director thought he was perfect for Charlie. I feel like Mark Wahlberg as Frizzelli would have worked. Especially, like, it's the perfect vibe. Like, he thinks he's smarter than everyone, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I would have liked that better. And then so then Ed Norton's not in the movie, which is a loss, I think. But still, so we did Norton or we did uh, Wahlberg as him. Who would play Charlie then? 2003. It's tough because like 2003, we were seven. So we don't really remember the actors in like grown up movies. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. I'm like uh, Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Um, I don't know. You're not going to get Matt Damon. What was Leo doing back in like, 2003? Compete, like, good movies. I guess Leo probably could have done it. This was before he blew up all the way. Yeah. Yeah, Leo would have been better for Steve, I think, then. And then also, like, if Leo's in this movie, it's just, like, automatically a different movie. Like, it's a better movie, I feel like. It raises But, yeah, I mean, he, this, it becomes Inception. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's just that's a unanswerable question. We'll never know. That actually was a category was like recasting, or like like peak casting of this movie, or recasting for today if we remade the movie, and I scrapped that. But yeah. Uh, and then last one I have, like I said, the screenwriters actually have a friend named nicknamed Handsome Rob, and like I don't know. I guess they're screenwriters, so Hollywood most likely, but. Imagine being a normal dude, just your nickname is Handsome Rob. That's pretty That's pretty high-powered. I know. Yeah, it's pretty good ego boost. Like people just, oh, who's that? Oh, that's Handsome Rob. Do you think, you can't just be a normal guy. Like, what do you think Handsome Rob does? The real Handsome Rob. Like, he probably is actually a t- criminal, right? Like, when else would you be called Handsome right, Rob? He's got to be some type of criminal. Crime lord, crime boss, mobster. Yeah. But um, that's all I got. Regarding the Italian job, uh, is this your favorite heist movie, or do you have a one that's like above this? I think I enjoy this movie. Like I said, I haven't seen all, or probably even most of the heist movies out there, but I think mm-hmm. I enjoy this one in in its simplicity, and it's kind of just 
it's willingness to just be what it is. And it's not, it's not trying to be something else. Sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, man, this is trying so hard to compete with another franchise or it's trying so hard to establish itself as a movie that's going to go down in history as one of the best ever. And I think this movie Mm -hmm. does a good job of not doing that. So I like it. I think, I think some heist movies that'll always go down for me as some of the best for, for some similar reasons too are just the national treasure movies. Um, I enjoy those as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you would, I don't know if you would really classify Indiana Jones as heist movies. Like, okay. I don't think you, I know. So this was actually a big debate. I had national treasure. I wasn't going to cover on this season because I think it's an adventure movie more than a heist movie. Yeah. I think it has a heist in it, but it's not a heist yeah, movie. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but then I was like, I did a vote on Instagram. It was voted as a heist movie. And also, when else am I going to be able to like naturally talk about National Treasure on this <laughs> pod? So that there is going to be a National Treasure. When episode. you do a Nick Cage season, then you can... <laughs> I, that would be a banner then season. Then you can do... Because all Nick Cage movies? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it again. I'll do re-National Treasure. <laughs> So I'll do, I'll do, like, this could be a National Treasure podcast, and that's all I talked about, and we would be just going forever. I would just have a different guest until I get Nick Cage on. Like, I would start off, I'd be like, oh, who was the key drip? Who was the third extra in this scene? Worked my way up, I did Sean Bean. Sean Bean's like, well, I feel like Sean Bean doesn't know what a podcast is. (laughs) He's too busy dying in another movie. I just, like, I feel like, I don't know why, but doesn't that seem fair? Like, he just doesn't, he has no idea what a podcast is. That's fair, yeah. And I bet if I Google it, he's been on like a hundred, but I don't know. Anyway, National Treasure. Those are fantastic movies. I don't care what anyone yep. says. I'm very excited for that episode. Yeah. The, the last time that I watched National Treasure, I was, it's funny because the last time that I watched National Treasure, I was expecting it to be worse than I remembered. And in some ways it was like, mm-hmm. in some ways you could say that it was worse, but I, I laughed for pretty much the whole movie. It was so funny that that, same thing that cast that crew is just like they just work so well together nick cage is hilarious though yeah they're just great movies i'm very excited supposedly there's a third one happening with the original cast and then also a spinoff series which just had its lead actress announced but uh yeah i've long had the perfect idea for national treasure three third one sean bean's back from jail he's out of prison it's a whole thing trying to find Alexander the Great's tomb. Nice. It's like my two favorite things crossing over. I just said this on Inside Man. So Christopher Plummer, who I'm sure you know, Sound of Music, <laughs> um, played your father-in-law, of course. Yeah. Um, so he's in Knives Out, Inside Man, and National Treasure, among like, you know, a million other things, obviously. He's one of, probably one of the best actors that was going on. Um, but that's like, if I had to pitch a Thomas Boomhauer, like triumvirate of movies, I don't know if I would come up with a better three to be like, this is one of my guys. So like anytime I'm just like Chris Palmer, one of my guys. Yeah. Even though I, all those three, he's like way old. I'm just like, yeah. I'm in, I'm all in. Oh, I was just going to, I just, you mentioned knives out. That's a movie that I never, I never saw. I'm, I kept meaning to get like oh. out to the theaters and go see it. And then it was like. I just I haven't seen it yet, so I gotta watch it at some point. I've heard, I've heard it's awesome. Movie. You have to watch it. You have to watch it several times. The first time you'll probably be disappointed, and then you'll watch it again. And you'll be like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" <laughs> and then after you watch it twice, listen to my episode on it. 
All right. Same format. That's, that's actually the first one I did with this format. Not for the season. It's first season. But anyway, Josiah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for diving into the Italian job with me. What do you got going on? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want people to know about? Not at the moment. No. Um, thanks okay. for having me. It's always a blast to talk about. So this is a fun movie to talk about. Um, it's good. Go watch it. It's just a fun. It's just a fun movie to throw on. Um, so yeah. yeah. Big time. All right, people, thank you for tuning in and listening. As always, if you did what you're hearing, make sure you hop on the podcast platform of your choice. Drop five-star ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Follow the podcast on Instagram at high-key underscore obsessed underscore podcast and on Twitter at high-key o podcast. And there I'm posting memes, reviews, like videos I've been doing, weird stuff. It's just all good stuff, all good stuff. And remember to trust everyone, but be wary of the devil inside them.